that God's doing. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 17, we'll start with verse number 8. Follow along with me. Now, Amalek came and fought with Israel. Does anyone know who Israel is? Israel is God's chosen people. Israel is God's chosen children. I wonder if I have any sons of God in the room here today. I wonder if I have any daughters of Zion in the room here today. Do we have any children of God gathered at La Palma Christian Center today? This is God's chosen people. God's hand-selected ones. Amalek, the enemy, came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses came to Joshua and said... Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So, uh, excuse me, so Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand with the rod of God. Israel prevailed. Somebody said hallelujah. hallelujah. But when he let down his hand, Amalek, the enemy, prevailed. Somebody say uh-oh. Mm -hmm. But Moses' hands became heavy, and Moses became weary. So they took a stone and put it under Moses, and Moses sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. You could probably say hallelujah again right there. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of, of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance even of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence in this room and all that you have already done, driving fear from us, flushing the flesh from us. Thank you, God, that as we have worshipped you and praised you, you've inhabited this place. Now teach us and speak to us through your anointed word. Let every ear be open. Let every heart be receptive. What you have sent your word to do, let it be done. We ask it and give thanks for it in Jesus' mighty name. Come on and say amen. amen. They say that a Civil War reenactment is something to experience. Has anyone ever been to a Civil War reenactment? We had several in the first service. I, I thought we might have several in, in this service, and we do. The rows of charging foot soldiers, the vibration of the ground from the galloping cavalry, the, the thunder of the cannons as they bellow on the fields, all something to behold. I've never personally been, but I have seen some of this on TV. How many have at least seen it on TV, a documentary or something? Many more. Well, to be perfectly honest, it seems like it could get a little bit confusing out on the battlefield, if you ask me. The clouds of smoke 
rising from the guns, the crash of the arms, the, the cries of the battle. It seems like it would be easy to become disoriented and a little bit confused out on the battlefield. But one thing always rises above the noise. One thing always rises above the smoke. There is one thing that always rises above the confusion. It's the flag. I wonder, uh, Commander Stacy, if you would bring the Christian flag with its base over, over for us here, please. You can just set that base right over there if you don't mind. Oh, look at this banner right here, folks. Christian flag. One thing would rise above the battles, and it was the flag or the banner. This was also called the banner. This was also called the standard. I wish I could get a little bit of help here. I wonder, Mike, would you mind coming and just helping me with this flag? Would you mind holding it up? And would you mind holding it up for the entirety of my sermon? Sure. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Not easy, yeah. Would you do that for me? I'll probably do it from here. No, <laughs> I need it held up. Would you mind holding it up? Whenever I can, as long as okay. I can. Okay, all right. I just, I, I want everybody to see this, and I don't want anybody confused. I don't want the smoke of battle confusing us. Amen. I want to make sure the troops see where our banner is, okay? So if you could help me with this, I, I would appreciate it. Thank you. If a soldier would just look up, he would see his army's flag. Seeing this flag would give direction, because remember, you're going hand-to-hand -hand combat, right? And in fact, you're going past hand-to-hand. -hand. You're going to the enemy's camp. And so you've got both sides intermingled, and so you could get confused. You've heard of stories of, of the, the same side killing one another. It's in the Bible, yes, but it's throughout her history. They get confused in battle. So the standard bearer, the flag bearer, would hold up the banner, hold up the flag, hold up the standard, and the troops would see, there's my side. There's the, 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 the group that I'm fighting with. There's my boys over there. It would give them direction, but it would give them assurance just seeing the standard raised. It was called a banner. A banner was a pole-like standard beneath which armies would rally. When lifted up, it called the people together for battle, for meeting, or for instruction. The one enlisted to carry the banner or the flag was called the standard bearer. In the days before radio, in the days before satellite communication, you know, we're really a spoiled generation, aren't we? We have so much at, the, at our fingertips. Somebody's on their phone right now. Put that down. We, seriously, we just have so much at our fingertips. Communication is so easy for us, isn't it? How are you doing? Yeah, you okay? <laughs> remember the days before satellite communication. Remember the days before radio even. 
The standard bearer was invaluable as he was the one to lead the charge. Amazingly, the standard bearer went into battle unarmed. After all, both hands are already occupied, aren't they? Where's he going to carry a sword? Where's he going to carry a musket? This was his weapon, the standard, the banner, the flag. If the standard bearer was wounded or killed, sorry, Mike, <laughs> the nearest man would drop what he was doing and pick up the banner or the flag, partly out of respect, but most importantly, because it was the focal point for the troops. Without the banner to lead the way, the troops often fell into disarray. You look like you're struggling. You're sweating. Would you like a little bit of help? Okay, let me see if I can take care of that. I wonder if I could get two men to come and help Mike to steady. There's one. All right, Robert, come on. Let's see if we can maybe help Mike a little bit. Good, I like that. Let's get him a stool. Why don't you sit down on that stool? Okay, you just rest there, first of all. Now you come right up here. Okay, guys, so what we need is, he needs to only be focused on the standard, on the pole. Now if you need to reposition that to where it's easier for you to focus on the pole, but you need to actually let them take the brunt of the weight you're resting, they're taking the weight, all you're doing is trying to steady the pole, okay? Mm -hmm. All right? <laughs> I wouldn't just wipe, I wouldn't just wipe somebody's sweat on, uh, for anybody, you know I love you, right? You know I do. So, uh, gentlemen, you have a very important role here today. For the entirety of my sermon, we're going to lift high the banner. He's the standard bearer, but he needs some brothers to come alongside of him and hold up his arms and steady him until the sun goes down. Well, that's what the Bible said. I'm just going by what the Bible says. If we're going to preach the word, we're going to preach the word today. Today we meet Jehovah Nisi, ladies and gentlemen. Today we meet God. The Lord is my banner. Today we meet the one who is with us in battle. Today we meet the one who's able to give us the victory in battle. Last week we met Jehovah Rophe, the God that heals. God had powerfully delivered his people out of Egypt. What did Egypt represent? Egypt represented slavery. slavery. Egypt represented bondage. Egypt represented oppression. Egypt represented the enemy. But thanks be to God, not only did he deliver them out of Egypt, God also parted the Red Sea and completely annihilated, completely destroyed the enemy with the same sea that he, that he did the miracle for his people. Aren't you glad that God's still able to part the Red Seas in our life and make a way out of no way? Hallelujah. Amen. God had parted the Red Sea, destroyed the enemy. They came through into the desert of dryness. And that caused grumbling and complaining. 
They came to the well of disappointment, the waters of Mara, the bitter waters, and they had to learn how to depend on Jehovah Rophe, the God that heals. Not only did he supply for them that day, but he also, as we see in Exodus 15 and 27, he led them to a place of abundance. He led them to a place of rest and refreshing. Exodus 15, 27, then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells and 70 palm trees. And so they camped there by the waters. Elam represented rest. Elam represented refreshing. Elam, however, was not their final destination. What did God say that he was going to do? And, and where, let me ask you this, God, did God say he was going to deliver his people out of Egypt too? What did he say, Summer? Come on now, preach that. A land flowing with milk and honey. Elam is not described as the land flowing with milk and honey. Elam was a place where there, were, there was water, there were 12 wells. Elam was a place where there was shade, there were 70 palm trees. But it was not where God was leading his people. And unfortunately, so many people are so tired of the dryness of the desert. So many people are tired of the bitterness from the well of disappointment that when they get to the place of Elam, they unpack all of their belongings and they never move from Elam. Elam is only the place for rest. Elam is only the place of refreshing. There is still the promised land to talk about. There is still the land of milk and honey that we have to get to. There is still Canaan land that is ahead for us. Don't get satisfied at the place of Elam when only God wants to just give you rest and refreshing. Get rested, get refreshed, and get yourself on to Canaan. Get yourself on to the land of pl plenty and the land of milk and honey. Get yourself on to the land of promise. God has better. God has bigger. God has more. Hallelujah. So he led them to Elam, but if you'll notice, you see, that's the last verse of chapter 15. Then comes chapter 16 and verse number 1. There's always a new chapter in life. There's always a new page to turn. And if you'll turn the page, if you'll go to the next chapter of life, you'll see that the same God that led them to Elam, now bring it up for us, he's leading them from Elam. And they journeyed from Elam. Well, guess where they had to journey into? <laughs> they had to journey back into the desert. Keep it up for a minute. It says that they, they journeyed from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel. Doesn't God have a good sense of humor? Look what he named the desert right here. Into the wilderness of sin. I say it's a, it, God has a good sense of humor because it's so appropriate that this is named the wilderness of sin because the people just kept on sinning. How y'all doing? You got him all steadied up? All right. You've got to just let them hold the weight of that and you steady the banner. They kept on sinning. They're into the desert again, the wilderness of sin. And what is their response? Immediately, verse number 2, chapter 16, they began to complain again. The whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the leadership, or in the wilderness, complaining against the leadership. Folks, we have to be very, very careful. We have to be very, very careful that we learn lessons from those in the Bible. Complaining is not the proper response. It never was, and it isn't today. 
murmuring, complaining, griping. It's not the proper way to handle heat, hunger, thirst, disappointment. These are all real life issues. But God has a way that we can actually sort through the issues of our life. Do you believe that? A good way, a godly way. They became hungry. Listen, if, if I don't eat at, a, at my certain time, I get just the slightest bit irritable. Ask my wife, ask my kids. It's 12 noon, that means it's lunchtime and I want to eat lunch so I'm not grumpy, right? Anybody like to eat at a certain time? You've got a schedule of eating? All right, I can kind of get with that. They're hungry, come on. So what does God do in their hunger? He supplies for them, doesn't he? Anybody know what God supplied for his children that day, in the desert that day? He supplied bread from heaven, something that had never happened before. Manna is what it was called. 16 and 4, God sent manna. They wanted meat. It wasn't enough that they had a miracle of manna on the ground. They said, I want more than that. And so what did God do? God answered their prayer and there was quail. There was meat to eat everywhere they looked. Well, you've got to wash down the manna and the meat with something, don't you? So they got thirsty. What does God do? God supplies water from the rock. Chapter 17, verse number 6. Up until now, the battle that the people had, was mo it was internal. Hunger, thirst, heat, disappointment, selfishness. These are all internal battles. But they cons consistently and constantly complained and because of this, God let them face their greatest battle yet. The battle was a battle. It was a literal battle now because of the constant complaining. You see, God hated their complaining. God took their complaining personal. To complain is to contend with the Lord. To complain is to tempt the Lord. To complain is to not trust the Lord. Beware, complaining about the trivial may lead to greater trial. So the people go into battle. God gives them the victory. And Moses erected an altar and called its name Jehovah Nisi or the Lord is my banner. Y'all doing okay still? You feeling it a little bit, Robert? Not yet. You're not? No. Then you're not doing your job properly because you should start feeling this. <laughs> Mike, are you still feeling it? Yeah. Then you got to take, I'm not, I'm not getting on him. I'm just saying you got you to gotta, you gotta, you gotta alleviate that. Are you feeling this a little yeah, bit? So all the weight should be on you two, and all he's doing is steadying a pole, steadying that pole. Listen, we're all going to have a battle. I don't care who you are. If you don't have a battle today, thank God. Get on your knees and thank God. But it might come tomorrow. It might come next week. It might come next month. And I'm not a doomsday speaker right now. I'm just telling you, battles come. Jesus even said, in this life, you'll have trial and tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. But battles come, and so when you face the battle, keep these three things in mind. Number one, jot it down. Keep in mind the enemy's plan. Keep in mind, <laughs> well, first, let me, I, sh I guess I should even back off of that a little bit. There is a real enemy. 
I think there's some, some, some Christians in la-la land, Mickey. They're in la-la land. They don't even realize that there is a real enemy. And he's not all dressed up in red with a pointy tail and, and, and horns and a pitchfork. It's a real enemy. And the enemy has a plan. Some people don't even realize that we have a battle. They think once I found Christ, it's all just all roses, isn't it? Well, guess what? Roses have thorns. There's a real battle, a real enemy. And if you are a follower of Christ, you have no say as to if you're in the battle or not. The battle's there, and as believers, we're already enlisted. We are going to be in the battle. So I want you to know there's a real enemy, a real battle that we have to fight. We have to fight it every day. And so it would do us well to actually familiarize ourselves with the enemy and with his plan. Let me talk to you about their enemy, Amalek, the Amalekites. The Amalekites were a nomadic tribe. They were nomads. They just wandered in the desert looking for the right moment, looking for the right opportunity. They, they, they wandered the desert between Canaan and Egypt. How appropriate. This is where they're heading. They came coming from Egypt, heading to Canaan. That's the Amalekites' territory. And you never knew when they were going to surface. Their character was completely deceitful, completely dishonest. After all, they were from the line and lineage of Esau. What do we know about Esau? Esau had a twin brother. What was his twin brother's name? I'm going to quiz you a little bit here today on your Sunday school learning. Jacob, of course. What do we know about Jacob and Esau? Jacob deceived Esau. And Esau sold his birthright for what? A bowl of soup. A bowl of stew. He, he deceived Esau, but Esau was the one who sold his birthright. And I believe that left him bitter and revengeful. And clearly, this bitterness and this revenge was passed down from generation to generation. And now the grandson, Amalek, is born. And his objective is, is, is this single focus, destroy Israel. The objective of the enemy, destroy Israel. Do whatever it takes to keep Israel from experiencing the promises of God. I need to tell somebody today that our enemy also has a plan. John 10.10 10 tells us what it is. The thief does not come except only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The devil will do whatever he can to prevent us from God's best. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But the Bible goes on to say in verse number 9, Resist him and stand steadfast in your faith. The enemy wants only one thing. It is your demise. It is your destruction. It is your death. And what is his strategy? Their strategy was the element of surprise. 
you see this very battle that's, that we are, are reading of in Exodus chapter six, uh, 17, it is, it is mentioned actually in Deuteronomy chapter 25. Verses 17 and 18, uh, God's trying to remind his children, remind Moses. He says, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt? This is the battle that he's speaking of. Remember how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at the rear, all those who were tired and weary, and he didn't even fear God. This is how the enemy works. They were opportunists. They were pirates of the desert, hiding, sneaking, dishonest, deceitful, preying on the weak and the weary, preying on the vulnerable, the ones who were straggling at the back of the line. That's who the enemy went after. The devil doesn't fight fair either. He doesn't even know what fair is. He doesn't care what fair is. He preys on us when we are weak and when we are weary. He targets us when we are the most vulnerable. But Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 11 says to put on the whole armor of God. Somebody say the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wild of the enemy the wiles that word wiles it translates trickery it translates craftiness it translates scheming and that's how the devil works ladies and gentlemen God doesn't want us dancing or dealing with the enemy he wants us fighting and standing against him and God will give us the victory King Saul had to learn this the hard way didn't he God told him in 1 Samuel 15, read it this afternoon for yourself. 1 Samuel chapter 15, God said to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Every man, every woman, every donkey, every oxen, every boy and girl, every toddler, every baby, destroy them all, he said. Don't spare one. That's what God said. But Saul thought he knew better than God, and so Saul spared King Agag. He was the king of the Amalekites. And it goes on to tell us that he spared all that he thought was good. How many of you understand today that God knows better than you know? God knew better than Saul. God knows better than me. God knows better than you. And if God says do this, it's not to, uh, up to us to try to reason with God and try to argue with God or do whatever we want to do instead of what God said to do. Oh, I wish somebody would get this today. Saul thought he knew better than God and he spared King Agag and all that was good. And then later this afternoon, as you're reading 1 Samuel 15, go on and get into 2 Samuel chapter 1. You'll see that... King Saul is wounded in battle. He's mortally wounded. In other words, he is going to die. But he's left to die on the battlefield. He's just going to have to bleed out and die, bleed to death. But he says, motions to one of the enemy. Can you imagine? Come, take my life. I'm dying anyway. Take my life. Take my sword and kill me. And so he does, Chuku. The enemy came and took Saul's life, King Saul. And he tells him, go and give directive to King David and tell what has happened. And so this one that took Saul's life, he goes and tells King David, King Saul is dead. And they say, well, how do you know? 
And so he unfolds this story. We were in battle. Saul, King Saul was wounded and he asked me, would I kill him? And so I killed him. And King David says this, who are you? And he says, I am an Amalekite. I'm from the line of Amalek. And the very enemy that God said utterly destroy was the enemy over here that destroyed King Saul. God's not asking you to dance with the enemy. God's not asking me to deal with the enemy. God's asking us to stand against the enemy, fight against the enemy, rely on him, obey him, and he will give us the victory in battle. Does anybody believe that today? The enemy may have a plan, but I'm thankful to tell you, point number two, God also has a plan. Hallelujah. The enemy's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, God said, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, plans to give you hope and to give you a future. Is anybody thankful that God has a plan that is bigger than the enemies, greater than the enemies, and it will succeed? Let me tell you a little bit about God's plan. God's plan, first of all, involves people. We want God to just do everything, don't we? God's plan includes us, but it includes people around us, too. It did here. 17 and 9 of Exodus, Moses said to Joshua, there's one person involved, choose up some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. You see, Moses couldn't do it alone. He understood that he needed people and even in the midst of those who were complaining, there will always be a remnant that God will raise up that have your back. Oh, I could preach this. He needed people, people who had his back, people who supported him, people who were not part of the grumbling crowd. God's going to send people your way to help you in your battle. I believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. God's plan involves people. God's plan, secondly, involves perseverance. Look at verses 11 and 12 of chapter 17. So it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. Hallelujah. Praise God. How we do it? But it says, and when he let down his hand, I wonder if we could just symbolically let down the, the, the banner, let it kind of droop down and, and just go ahead. It's on purpose right now, but... Let it down as low as you can without touching the ground. You know, we're not supposed to let flags touch the ground, are we? That's disrespectful and dishonorable. And, and so he, it says that his arms got tired and he got weary. And so the, the banner started letting, letting down. And, and uh, somebody had to do something about that. It takes perseverance. Let's go ahead and get it back in its position. You steady those arms again. Steady that banner again. It's going to take something out of all three of these men Amen. to hold this up, fight the battle. Perseverance, folks, to keep on keeping on. 
we get tired I get tired <laughs> I get tired Karen and I walked we lost our minds yesterday Stacy we thought we could do a 10 mile hike with no conditioning well we were in Fullerton the, the Wicks invited us. It's a beautiful, beautiful walk. And they took us up to this point. I don't, what's the name of that point? What is it? Yeah, that. Beautiful, but I'm not conditioned. My feet are sore today. We get tired, don't we, sometimes? What do you do when you get tired? You just go ahead and give up? I'm just going to go ahead and let the flag down. I'm tired. I'm tired. I walked, I walked a long way yesterday. I think I'm just going to give up. Church, we can't do that. We've got to persevere. We've got to keep fighting. Otherwise, the enemy starts winning. God's plan involves perseverance. Moses got tired. He needed people to not only say that they were with him, he needed people to prove it. Actions speak louder than words, church. They found a stone for Moses to sit on. We found a stool today. Aaron and her supported his hands. His hands were steady, the Bible says, until the sun went down. Powerful. I wish I had some people that would help steady my hands as I'm trying my best to, to reach a community and reach the lost and build a church. I really do, Mike. I really do. You know, they say the, 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 there's about 20% of a church that does all the work and 80% that sat on the sideline and criticized the 20 for not doing it their way. That's statistically the truth. It's time to break the traditions and the, and the statistics. I'm not speaking of this church, really. I think we are way above the, the, the statistics and the status quo. I think we have a church that is united, that loves one another, that loves the leadership. This is not a rifle with a, with a, with a scope, and I'm, I'm aiming at somebody, and I hope everybody else gets it, too. I'm telling you, I'm preaching what I felt God lead me to months ago, months ago. But we always have to fight to stay united. We always have to start, uh, fight against grumbling and complaining because the enemy's always looking for the slightest entry, and then he's in. Finally, Pastor Moses, help me. Write this down. In, in going into the battle, remember the enemy's plan, remember God's plan, and don't ever forget God's power. God's power. It says in verse number 13, And so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. I believe this happened because of God's power. God gave Israel the victory over the enemy by his power. But God's power, watch this, God's power was applied to God's man. This is called the anointing. I believe God anointed the man. God's ability and God's power was on Moses. Mike is representing Moses today. And God anointed the man. It was God's power, but the power came upon the man. God anointed Joshua to gather some, some others. God anointed Aaron and her. Which, all, which one of you all want to be her? <laughs> he is confident enough in his masculinity to say, I'll be her. I got grandchildren. There we go. So we got Aaron and her. 
that also need an anointing to Hallelujah. come alongside of the man of God. Amen. So the anointing, God's power, rubbed and smeared on the men of God. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. God's anointing was, I believe, on the standard as well. It was on the banner. Because look at verse number 9. It says, it's referred to, do I have that or not? Look in your Bible. It, it's the, the Moses' rod, he even refers to it himself as what? The rod of God. That rod was anointed. It was thrown down. It became a snake. He picked it back up and it became a rod again. He used it to, to the, the Red Sea. It was involved in the parting of the Red Sea. It was involved in the, the water coming from the rock. The, the rod was also anointed. I believe God anointed the sword. Come on and hold up your Bible, everybody. Do you know how anointed this book is that you hold in your hand? Whether it's by tablet, whether it's by on your phone, whether it's leather bound, whether it's King James or New King James or NIV or the message, I'm telling you the sword of the Spirit is anointed, hallelujah. And the, the sword will always bring down the enemy. He anointed the sword, and that's how the battle was won. God's ability, God's power rubbed or smeared on man or things. Vessels were anointed before being placed in the temple. Handkerchiefs were anointed to bring healing to those who are far away. Do you believe that God's anointing can come to you today? Do you believe that God wants to give his power to us today to fight the enemy and win the victory? Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Don't be confused. Don't be fearful. God is raising up the standard. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, God said, I will raise up a standard. Gives a whole new meaning on this. Raise up a standard, raise up a banner. This symbolizes the victory in battle. If you're here today and you are in battle, I want you to quickly come and stand across this front. Ushers, please move the altars to the side for me, please, quickly. If you're battling today, physical, financial, emotional, whatever it is, do not delay. Come and stand across this front. Make sure that you have a little bit of room in between the one you're standing with. Now, if your husband and wife stand close, but all those who are battling, come on, come quickly. Stand all across this front. You're battling health issues, relational issues emotional issues, financial issues. There's a battle going on right now. Jesus. Just as I suspected. Do you see what's happening here, family? There are so many that are in battle. It's a fight, isn't it, Pastor Jim? It's a fight. Here this man of God has, has worked so hard and so diligently to become licensed and, and do the schooling, do the learning. Pastor Jim's going to be ordained in May, by the way. So proud of this man. 
so proud of you. So aren't you exempt then? You should be exempt. You're called and you've got the schooling and you've, you've got the calling and the... Uh, I got two targets on my back. Well, see, it comes to all of us. Moses was in the battle. Moses was in the battle. The armor bearer couldn't even have a weapon with him. Did I say that? Sometimes we just, we think, oh, well, it's so private. It's so personal. I'm a little bit ashamed, maybe. It's just time to let people in. You can't fight this by yourself. You're, you can't fight it by yourself. And guess what? You're not even supposed to. You're actually not supposed to fight it by yourself. God made us so we need people. I wonder if I could get a woman with a woman and a man with a man, and they're going to lift their hands in just a moment, and I need the family of God to come alongside and hold their hands up. If you're in a battle, lift your hands. Now, come on, church. I'm going to need everybody today. There's so many. Nobody should really stand back and say, well, I'm going to leave it to the deacons. I'm going to leave it to the choir. I'm going to leave it. I need everybody. Come on, get up on your feet. Come and find someone, ladies with ladies, men with men, and hold up their arms. Come on, find. you got to press through the crowd right here. Let the Lord lead you to somebody. Let the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. Do I have to beg you to get up and help me pray? I'm asking everyone here today, please, we have people that are in a battle and they need our help. Will you please come and pray? There are those in the front part here. Make your way to the front. Hold up the hand. Hold up their arm. Just let them know you're not fighting alone. You're not battling alone. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to pray with you. There you go. There you go. Don't let your arms down. I know it gets heavy sometimes, but keep your arms up. There's still more in the front here who need somebody to stand with them and pray with them and hold up their arms. Come on, find somebody. Find someone. Hallelujah. Maybe you'll reach out to two or three. Reach out to more than one if you can. There's so many that need help today. So many that are fighting in the battle. Hold up their arms. We're fighting with you. We're fighting with you. You're not fighting this alone. We're battling in the spirit with you. We are fighting with you. Come on and pray now. Come on and pray. Pray. Oh, come on and let them hear you pray. Pray them through. Let them hear, hear you pray the power down. Pray for the victory that Jehovah Nisi, God is my victor. God is my banner. Come on and pray so they hear you pray. Hallelujah. Give us the victory today, God Almighty. We put our trust and our hope in you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are strong and mighty in battle. We pray, Lord, that you would move your mighty hand. Press, press with your prayer. 
Somebody's getting the victory today. Somebody's getting the victory today. Reach out and take somebody by the hand. Come on, pray for that one on your right and on your left. Pray for them right now. You're not alone. You're not alone. I fight with you. I stand with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for the victory. God of victory. He's giving us the victory in our battles. He's giving us the victory in our battles. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Let it serve as a reminder that he's with us in the battlefield and he will give us the victory. He'll anoint our hands. He'll anoint uh, 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 the, the things in our lives. He'll anoint the sword. The sword is anointed. And we win. We win. 
It is time, church, that we rally together and fight the battle with one another so that no one feels I'm, I'm all alone. I can't talk to anyone about this. You, you see, if you'll look around, you'll see that many people are in the battle now or they were five minutes ago. Oh, y'all didn't get that. <laughs> Somebody just came out of the battle. Somebody, the battle's over right now. Hey, the battle is over. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. The battle is over for somebody today. The battle is over for somebody today. Ah. And the battle isn't yours in the first place. The battle isn't yours. The battle doesn't belong to you. The battle belongs to the Lord. And so we let go. Come on, somebody, and just let go today. I let go today. I let go, and I let God fight my battles. And I will gladly accept all assistance that you will send my way. Because sometimes God, God's plan involves people. Most times God, God's plan involves people. God's fighting the battle for us, but he's sending people right alongside of us to help us in the victory. Amen. Why don't you just look at somebody and tell them, thank you for fighting with me. Come on, thank you for fighting with me. Thank you for fighting with me. Thank you for fighting for me. Come on, greet somebody and just tell them, thank you so much. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm so glad you're in the battlefield with me. Thank you for having my back. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for fighting for me and fighting with me. I believe I'm going to succeed. I believe I'm going to have the victory. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, come on and say amen. Woo. Hallelujah. Pastor Jim, I'm going to have you come and dismiss the people. Please remember that on tonight we have our celebration, our annual business meeting. Let's meet from 5.30 to 5.45 to bring our desserts and to do our roll call and sign in. And then we will start promptly at 6 o'clock. Everyone's standing for dismissal. Father, we're so thankful for your spirit and for the power that you have, that you have that you have given us, Lord, that we are able to overcome. We ask you, Lord, to take your words, Lord, and let they go to the core of our soul so we can be effective in ministry to this community and to our families. We ask you, Lord, to take us even right now, Lord, as we go out, let our light shine, let us be a beacon for you as we come back even tonight for a business meeting, Lord, that your presence is there and your presence stays with us for, throughout the day. We ask these things in your precious holy name. Amen.